so David, thank you so much for um, saying you'd have this conversation with me. Um, as hopefully you've realised, it really is an excuse for me to talk to people I find interesting. And it's, um, um, you know, it, it is actually a conversation. It, you know, I, 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 I'm, I just want to explore ideas with you and, and make them available to other people. So a kind of private conversation for others, should they be interested? And I thought that, that I should say a few things just to start us off because uh, you run and set up Rebel Wisdom, hence your amazing design behind you in the studio, um, which I think is such a thoughtful YouTube channel. I don't, you know, it's on a level of its own really. And what you're doing seems amazing. Um, I had the pleasure of being on it a long time ago now um, uh, to uh, discuss some things with you. But we also have a kind of a personal connection because your mum has been to a number of my retreats. And in fact, I think she, she came to my 60th birthday, as I, as mm. I remember, which was, which was uh, very sweet. So the way in that, I, that I've been playing with is to try and get underneath the fact that, you know, like the books I write, the films you make to begin with, and just kind of ask you the question which has dominated me for all my life, which is really the existential one of every morning we wake up and this is happening. What, what is it? that is happening for us and does it have significance what what is it that's going to take us through our lives that started that will lead to death what what the what you, what have you made of it thus far I, I, I love the way you open with the small talk uh question tim <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so it was interesting while you were doing that introduction you were talking about kind of the big ideas and I I guess I see myself probably more as a curator of or at least as much a curator of other people's ideas um and I'm sort of been following my instinct as to where I think are the most interesting ideas who are the most interesting thinkers where are the points of synthesis um but it certainly comes from a deep sense of yeah, that question that you just asked reminds me of, was it, was it Heidegger or Schopenhauer or one of them who said that as he got older, the, he, he was just more in awe of the fact that there was anything at all. Heidegger. Than, yeah. It was Heidegger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, he also talked about the throneness of existence, which is something I think that you're alluding to as well, this sort of sense of you wake up and you're in it. Yeah. And there's no... There's no out of it to look at the it. We're, we're constantly thrown this in this thing that we're trying to make sense of, which is a deceptively, as with most of these conversations, it's a deceptively deep realization that can be trite or can, be, can seem kind of obvious that is actually quite key because there's, there's also something about, maybe something about our kind of, the way our consciousness works, especially with sort of um, propositional knowledge. And I think maybe something linked to language gives us the illusion of standing outside the thing. Oh, yes, fact, that's right. The, 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 and I think that Wittgenstein talked about philosophy being a way of kind of, I paraphrase, but dealing with the bewitchment of language. 
So I think it is this sense of we live in a world of structure with this incredible tool of language, but it also kind of brings in some kind of distance from the felt sense of reality. And then we also then have this issue of, which is something we talk about in the channel a lot as well, like the, the different ways of knowing and how we're in a world that really is based on this um, propositional way of knowing, this intellectual way of knowing. And yet there are all of these other ways of knowing that are actually far more deeply, viscerally intertwined with reality and that sense of... What, what sort of things do you mean, Dave? Um, that direct felt sense of the isness of existence is, I think, a... Like, that's what most of our spiritual practices are leading towards. Like, that's that real felt sense of the of the intensity of being alive, I think is a different kind of knowing to, to the propositional, what is this made of? And I guess that's the existentialist reality is that the fact of existence precedes the content of existence. And unless you are grappling with the fact of existence, then you're really bypassing the, one of the central questions. Um, again, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm building on poorly understood or, or, or intuitively grasped, I think. I think, I, I, think I, I intuitively grasp some things. John Viveki, I would really point towards as someone who's really drilled into these different ways of knowing, what he'd call the four, the four Ps, propositional, perspectival, I think phenomenological, and then maybe um, one other, but I was listening not to a, um, Ian McGilchrist talk, uh, uh, he actually brought it up when we were talking together as well, but that, the um my german isn't good enough to be able to quote it in german but you know about the different ways in which we uh you get in different languages that you you get those two that you mentioned that knowing mm. like i know the cup by holding it and i know the cup by thinking about it but mm. um underneath all of that what keeps you from despair what what when you wake up in the morning in this mad event or beautiful crazy bittersweet thing we've got ha have you do you have have you framed a way of looking at it provisional i presume of someone with your intelligence but uh, but uh, uh, that that in you know it's like this i've been waking up in the middle of the night the older i get the more i wake up in the middle of the night and everything is quiet and it's completely different i don't know if you if you how well you sleep mm. but i've always slept very well and suddenly i'm not and I wake up and it's, there's something, that's where the existential life and death, there's nothing to distract it and it's there. And I'm wondering, you know, in those, in, in the, in the, at the bottom, there's something in us which either goes, yes, this is good or fuck, this is scary as hell um, mm. or both. I mean, is that, I mean, if you were looking at it from a sort of psychological lens, you would argue that, that that's to do with our formative experiences, that that's to do with whether we ultimately think the world is a friendly place or the world is an unsafe place depends on um, our, trauma, our trauma background, many of those sort of fundamental relationships with our caregivers. Um, and I, I, I feel that's true. I, I mean, that for me is surely that overrides any sense of 
that we can have a, a propositional or a, or a a sense of spiritual experience or something that grounds us in that safety if we haven't had that safety in our physiology from an earlier from Ooh. an earlier time so 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 are you saying that if you've so that my experience not not for me personally i, I i've been very lucky but um a lot of people when i'm working with awakening mm. i say that the majority maybe even have come to it through trauma rather than through it being easy mm. which would suggest the opposite of that in some way or that it's not a, it's not a defining thing it, it may make you a less it may be a basis for whether you're a cheer, cheerful person or a or mm. a you know careful person but does it define those deeper things necessarily i don't think i'm saying that you can't overcome that but i but if you're waking up with a sense of despair I don't, I don't, I don't mean to exaggerate it. I don't, I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm saying it for dramatic impulse, really. I'm really just getting at that kind of, is that it, it feels like we're all involved in some sort of narrative, whether we're conscious of it or not, aren't we? Mm. And that for most purposes, you can get through with quite a thin one, um, which is just about, I, I need to get up today. I'm going to speak to David. That's great. Am I ready? Um, have mm. I thought about what I want to talk to him about? You know, blah, blah, blah. And that will get me through this. But mm. then there's some things that happen in life. Uh, my parents died over the last 10 years or just that one's own. And I'm very attuned to that and have been ever since I was a kid, whereby suddenly that thinness of what gets you through the narrative that gets you through the day is not a deep enough narrative. And mm. I wondered if in the work you're, in your life, um, you know, that, that whether you had that or. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've experienced real highs and real lows in my life, like moments of like incredible illumination and and sense of connectedness and connect, sense of like alignment and that's lasted often through spiritual practice, sometimes through different um, experiences, psychedelics. Like I've explored that kind of that space of like the transcendent and the the illuminated quite a lot and and have had astonishing experiences and also some incredible lows and incredible um yeah some some real feelings of i yeah sent feelings of like i can't imagine getting out of this place mm. and but i but behind it all i've also had this kind of unshakable sense of that there is a there there that there is a like it feels like a heroic life feels like a heroic adventure rather than a um, rather than a failed experiment and I don't know I mean if, if I think about that's a lovely line the worldview like I Richard Tarnas for example is one of my kind of philosophical heroes and he talks about the sense of meaninglessness that we've created and I'm sure we, we could we, we're, we're both aware of what we mean by like the materialist uh, rationalist paradigm and how empty it is because it has kind of denuded the world of a deeper sense of meaning and alignment that we had previously in um, and took for granted I think before the scientific revolution 
which was valuable on many levels, but also overshot and kind of left us in a world of, of meaninglessness or essential, yeah, pretty much meaninglessness. And I, I think I've always been aware of that philosophical frame. I kind of never really accepted it. It's always felt really incomplete. Uh, Richard Tarnas talks about the, this, this idea that we've had of, with the scientific revolution of kind of trying to remove all subjective judgments of all human kind of, um, all anthropomorphization and projections onto the universe until we've ended up with this view of the universe as like this kind of soulless machine. And he says, well, surely that is the biggest projection of all. The idea that the universe must be this soulless machine is actually the, the, the ultimate solipsistic anthropomorphization projection that we can possibly imagine. And we've ended up with this in the sort of scientific worldview. And I think if you live in that world, and I think mo many people do, the temptations to despair and the temptations to, to pointlessness are ever present, which is kind of a, and, and I don't think I've ever really been taken in by that worldview. I've always felt like there's something more, there's something deeper, and there is a deeper, and, I, and I've, I've had the, the fortune to, to be able to tap into my own felt sense of meaning as well. Okay, that's interesting. What, uh, just, just just by the way, you know, like I completely resonate with those highs and lows and all of that, and the experience you're talking about. Um, and I, I I I want you to say more about the felt sense of meaning, if you would. But I also wanted to just drop in because it was on my mind. One of the things that I remember having a conversation with you, I've heard you do it a couple of times actually, but I, that was in a private conversation that that, that, that we had um, a little while back, very briefly. And you talked about synchronicities. And I was watching something you were doing online, a talk you were giving, and you mentioned again, synchronicities. And, and I was really intrigued because like on the channel, when you're having these amazing conversations, it's actually very rational. I mean, it's very intensely reasonable. Mm. And, uh, and could easily fit into a world where something like a synchronicity was unthinkable, crazy, that mm. life could arrange itself such that, well, I just had one this morning, um, which I'll just tell you, just because it's fun. And mm. which, uh, I, at four o'clock this morning when I woke up, I started thinking, oh, um, my current, my, my views on consciousness, the nature of consciousness have gone through a radical transformation over the last few years. I've just done some lectures for various conferences on it. And I woke up this morning and thought, wow, Am I saying something similar to Daniel Dennett? That's unthinkable. Oh my God, I think I might be. And I must go back and check him out. And this morning I got up on my international community of individuals Facebook page where I nip out and just say hello to people. And what do you know, someone had posted Daniel Dennett. Now I've never thought about Daniel Dennett in the middle of the night ever. And I, no one's ever posted anything remotely by Daniel Dennett. So hmm. if we live in a world where that's just not like, well, that happens now and again, but actually that is something which is in the fabric of reality. Mm. How does that fit for you? How does that, you know, with that sense of meaning, not just making meaning, but like meaning actually being in the events themselves? Mm. Well, it points to the world being far stranger than we can, than we realize, or maybe even far stranger than we can realize that the, the Jungian concept of synchronicity, I mean, the, the most, I know that when 
when I'm kind of on the right track, synchronicities really start to kind of bubble up and start to happen quite intensely. The one with the most astonishing one, which kind of is intimately tied to the creation of Rebel Wisdom is uh, with Jordan Peterson. Yeah. So Jordan Peterson, um, pretty much most of his, or a lot of his work is about popularizing Jung and Jung and, and bringing Jung back into the culture in a, in a really interesting way, given that Jung was sort of way too kind of out there for academia and even Peterson himself was told, don't, don't talk about Jung, you'll torpedo your career. And he not only talked about him, but he really values him. He really kind of is, considers him one of the most important thinkers of the 20th century. Um, and I went to Toronto to interview Peterson and Peterson in the lecture the night before started talking about the four dimensional self and Jung's concept of the four dimensional self as something that exists in the future as well as now and is our sort of sense of potentiation, our sense of individuality, our sense of um, yeah, full individuation and it's kind of calling to us through our interests and through our life choices. And there's this sort of sense of a gravitational pull from our future self that Jung talked about. And it was the, and that really just landed and resonated for me and kind of made sense of an awful lot of things that had happened. And then the next day I started talking to him about it. And we had this incredible conversation where he laid it out and he said, Oh, I've never talked about that before in public. It's weird. I didn't realize. And then we spent most of our conversation talking about synchronicities, talking about <laughs> the value of synchronicity. And then I made that into a documentary. And about three days after that documentary, he had this breakout moment on Channel 4 News in an interview with Kathy Newman, the program I used to work on for 10 years. Kathy Newman, who I know very well, I worked alongside probably about a month before. And suddenly, and I'm like, what on earth am I to make of this? The whole conversation is about synchronicities, and this is the, an incredible synchronicity. And I then kind of tried to kind of liaise behind the scenes between them. I thought, okay, what, how do I make sense of this? And initially I thought it's, okay, I'll try and get a, a second interview to kind of uh, smooth over this kind of growing rift that was, was happening between him and Channel 4 News. Didn't work. But then I made a, a, a documentary about it called Glitch in the Matrix, which now has around at least 5 million views, maybe nearly 6 million views and pretty much started up Rebel Wisdom. So, and in that documentary, I pretty much just, just channeled everything that I've been thinking since the election of Trump, everything I've been thinking about the differences between the mainstream media and the alternative media, and what this kind of unpacking, what this clash between Jordan Peterson and Kathy Newman meant. And that became pretty much the starting point for Rebel Wisdom and this artifact that's been seen by more people than anything else I've ever made pretty much. And so that was, yeah, so I'm, not only do I believe in synchronicities, have experienced them really intensely in my life, but I, yeah, they, they are something one learns to steer by, I think. And especially in the age of the internet where things can happen so instantaneously, I think we're in a, we're in a world where we, things Synchronicities can happen more readily and more quickly than ever before. And 
the group mind of the internet and the group consciousness of the internet can create those create those synchronicities far quicker than ever before. So I think we're there's a there's another uh, fascinating interviewee I've had on the channel called Akira the Don, who makes these amazing films, uh, music for music and words called Meaning Wave, and he talks about moving at the speed of thought, looking for the synchronicities and starting to. And he, th he thinks that the, the younger generation are starting to, to, to act in that way. Like the, the people who are coming up as digital natives are beginning to kind of, that, that almost becomes a way that, that people operate. They start to surf this wave of synchronicity. So I'm going to use that as an excuse to, to try an idea out on you, David. And, and I can't remember if we talked about any of this before. I don't think we did. But um, one of my passions is that we do need a new paradigm a way of understanding which can bring in some of the things that Jung said spirituality generally the experience of awakening all of these things and but bring it into mainstream culture again because it's that you've just said it's been cut out and mm. it's now just woo-woo and of course a lot of it is woo-woo which makes it more difficult but not all of it and um, and just to really condense it crazily short the essential idea I'm play, I've been playing with is um, we can understand everything as an evolutionary process of uh, the realization of ever greater potentialities based on what's happened before. That's mm. the scientific narrative, but, but it ends with biology. And what I'm suggesting is that it didn't end with biology. Quite obviously it went on to psyche and that what spirituality is exploring is the psyche or the soul. That's what Jung was a soul doctor. That's what he was looking at. And that's where he came to all his conclusions. And that one of the things which, which comes from that is this obviousness that meaning narratives have evolved from simpler forms of life, which also have narratives, of course, because they're understanding what's going on around them in primitive ways. But we've majored in this, and suddenly there's this exponential explosion of the last few thousand years, but right now more than ever, into the psyche into mm. and that we're living in story so that so that so that for me it's like taking the traditional spiritual idea which i was very much part of which is oh life is like a dream that's why synchronicities happen mm. and going no life is evolved into a dream that's why synchronicities happen that there's a level of reality which we're experiencing right now made of imaginal information which is actually as much part of reality as biological or physical information and all that information is interacting to create mm. the expansion of our lives and that somehow what's happened is the cultures hit a ceiling because it's done so successfully on the more foundational levels in understanding how it works and that somehow we need to blow that ceiling up and go look all of this is equally real and mm. we're experiencing it all the time mm. is that sort of similar to the idea of like the new sphere yeah like i think so i think consciousness yeah, he's definitely, or or he's definitely a, a a pioneer of this of this approach, and Whitehead as well. Is that you know, I'm a terrible, you know, I'm a, I'm a great, you know, I I have to think on my own. So I come to these people after the fact because mm. it's just the way I, I am. But yeah, I, these are these are people who have become heroes of mine for that very reason. So, but 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 fundamentally, it's going look that place where we we talk about meaning, where you're making you know making sense of things, all of that. That's the latest thing on the block. I think everyone who's got an evolutionary approach would agree with that. It's just mm. what's its status, 
is it a peripheral thing or is it actually the most emergent level of reality? And does it have, as you were pointing to with those lovely synchronous stories, is it actually, and this is what Jung ended up thinking with Pauli, that, well, he's a good example. There you've got, there you've got, the, you've got the idea of that the psyche is affecting directly well you know it's affecting it for sure because i can go lift my hand look <laughs> i did that with my psyche <laughs> mm. and so it's definitely affecting it it seems obvious to me it's definitely made of meaning and meaning can't be reduced to any physical description it's something more than it's more than the vibrations in the air or your ear or your neurons and then what that it, it the question is then is it just something which is uh, floating there like an epiphenomena or actually is the whole realm of it affecting what happens to us and it what brings meaning itself you're, you're saying as an epiphenomenon or i'm saying that meaning isn't an epiphenomena really i'm going look that the 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 psyche has developed as as another level another domain of emergent reality just like biology Mm. And just like all oh, the, the right the way through, it's got us that lovely line I love from Brian Swim. I don't know if you know Brian Swim's work, but I love his thing where he goes, you know, what we've learned is if you take hydrogen, you wait for 14 billion years, it learns to sing opera. Mm. And that vision is, I think it's a wonderful joke because it captures that miraculous nature that we're part of this huge narrative, which has got us to this place where people like you are discussing sense-making. Like how do we make that we're using this faculty Mm. and the whole range that you mentioned before of the different ways of knowing and yes and and you're also kind of referring back to that we're there are different forms of evolution that we're sort of in in a the evolution of the psyche and the evolution of the sort of the the new sphere now rather yes. than the evolution of the sort of individual i think that's true well think... it's still the individual but it's yeah but it's a, a the individual on the level of the imaginal primarily mm. rather than the biological which is pretty slow. I think that's true my not concern but my what I feel is often missed out in kind of the broader consciousness space like often that becomes a sort of spiritually bypassing realization it's like oh we're we're, we're now kind of in the imaginal realm and we're evolving there and like the imaginal realm is it's 360 degrees. It's like dark as well as light. Mm. And I think what we're seeing now and what we're probably going into is a confrontation with the shadow and a confrontation with the dark as much as it is kind of a potential liberation of the, of the psyche or a kind of evolution of consciousness. And I think we're seeing that playing out. Like, I think, I think the, I think Trump and I think the, the 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 sort of dissent that we're seeing in America is part of that process. It's like we're 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 breaking all of the structures that held some kind of stability, and those are those are kind of institutional structures. They're also psychic structures. They're all it's all the stuff that we had been able to wall off from from our experience or from our cultures up until now, and that's all coming back in at the same time. So I, I would agree with you completely that there is always the dark and light. And mm. that's true in the evolution of the psyche. And, and I completely agree with you about spiritual bypassing. Um, totally. I wonder, 
and and well, yeah. Just as an aside, I think you know that what what Jung was onto, as he seems to be coming up in our conversation, is is that the the past is present, which is a key idea for me. That 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 the past hasn't gone anywhere. It's actually implicit in the in the moment, and that's true of everything. But it's true of the psyche. So all of the foundations for you and me having this conversation are all the conversations that have ever been had, mm. including all of ours, but all generally everything is the is the way is the ocean on which we're we're floating and so that means that we that we will have a our individual and collective shadow in the sense that that Jung meant it of those things which we need to transform and and in order to go forward but the thing which I'm less convinced about and I'm willing to be I'm willing to be persuaded is I've moved from a position where I did think oh my god this crisis is you know this is huge Mm. But now I've got to be 60. I felt like, hang on, I felt that all my life. <laughs> it's been consistent, like this is it. And it was, you know, it was true when Thatcher was there and we were rioting on the streets and there was the miners' strikes and now it's Trump. And it's like, actually, isn't it always true? Aren't we always doing that? And you look at someone like Trump and you go, look, look, it's the, mm. what is the questioning democracy. But then I look at him and think, well, yeah, he's he's. He, I don't like he, as a human being. He kind of like, ooh, but he hasn't started any massive wars, or you know, he's not. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, isn't it always true? Are we really? Is isn't it always that period of transformation? And there's a sense that everything's speeding up always because of the exponential growth of psyche and technology. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a danger of there's a danger of assuming that we're always living in. Um, singular times like i look yeah. back at if you look back at the the 1960s like the end of the 1960s and i was um i was watching the vietnam there's, a, there's an amazing series called vietnam uh by ken burns i yes, think brilliant yeah and, he is brilliant isn't he and and the it's 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 not just a it's a history of vietnam but it's also a history of america during that period with some incredible footage about what was going on and the way what was happening, like I remember watching this episode where it said, "Oh, there were riots in Detroit, and a hundred people were killed, and yeah. there were riots in da da da." It's like if that happened nowadays, people would think that was the end of the world. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's so. I think we need to to maintain some perspective, but I also, and also the the other flip side of that is that people have been talking about a paradigm shift for an awfully long time as well. Yeah, yeah and. Right. Um, uh, I think you probably know Jules Evans as well. Do you know Jules? A, a little. I mean, not really. Yeah. Yeah. So a friend of mine, Jules Evans, um, wrote a really good piece called "Dude, Where's My Paradigm Shift?" Going through the history, <laughs> <That's fantastic>. of, <laughs> going through the history of sort of like people saying, "Oh yeah, it's, it's going yeah. to happen. It's going to happen," yeah. Yeah. and that's been going on for a long time. And I, and I think we need to kind of bear in mind that people have been predicting things like that for an awfully long time. Yeah. But at the same time, I do feel like if I was if I was going to make the case for the other side of like why this is a particularly different time, I think I would say Trump to me, if you're persuaded by the the sort of the, the, there's a whole set of kind of models that a lot of people on our channel have talked about, especially using game theory as one mm -hmm. and that you have a collapse of a system based on game theory that any stable structure starts to 
uh, become corrupt and starts to become hollowed out by people, um, by, by defections, by uh, tragedies of the commons, all of these things. And effectively what you get is a hollowing out of these structures. Something that, um, to, for me, Trump does feel and look and act like the herald of, an, of the end of a certain way of doing things. Like he does feel like the ultimate sort of peak predator of a zero trust world of someone who is dedicated to nothing bigger than himself. I mean, we, we have a sort of fundamental breakdown of truth that I do think is, is different. Yep. Um, so I think, I think we have to kind of hold all of our perspectives with a certain degree of lightness. Like we can't kind of fixate around any particular perspective, but I do, I, I am think it's, persuaded it, by the idea that something different is happening at the moment. I think you're absolutely right. And I think the way you articulated it, I would completely resonate with it. I think the thing which I find myself sharing a lot when I'm talking with folks is this kind of negativity that goes along with it. Like things are just getting worse. Mm. And my feeling is you have no knowledge of history, do you? Because things are so much better. They're just so much better. Mm. Not everything. There's some things which are much, much worse. And there's new phenomena like Trump. So, and, and my, 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 so my feeling is that, that with the work of bringing in something new, which I agree with you completely, you know, it's like, you know, it's a, like I said, the older I get, the more obvious it becomes. But, the new, but a new paradigm, something new will definitely happen. Probably not in my lifetime, but it will happen for sure. Because how could it not? So any work that you're doing, I'm doing, anyone's doing with goodwill is preparing for that, whether we, whether it happens or not, and whether it comes through things just flowering or whether it comes through some mass convulsion, mm. um, it will happen. I'm for flowering myself, given the choice. And I think we'll have both. You think we'll have both? Yeah, could do. I do. I think things will get much worse, but I think in the same way that in a person's life, we only really change when we have to. I think we will only change as a culture when we absolutely have to. Yeah, and against that, you know, you may well be right. I, I have no idea. But against that, you know, that we have really come so far mm. on a positive route. I mean, the mere fact that you and I are Englishmen who have never been to war, David. I mean, that's... who You know, my, my dad shot Germans on the beaches of Normandy. Mm. You know, it's like we, we've, we've lived in a completely, you know, different age and so uh, but, many... But also, but also to, to kind of, I mean, I'm a foreign affairs journalist, so right. I, the, the reason for that is because we've been in a Pax Americana. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I, I think... So you think uh, that might fail? Well, it looks like it's failing at the moment. We certainly, certainly has, is under strain, like all of that. I think we had a generation of people who went through the Second World War and then thought we're not going through that again and did everything they could to build international institutions to stop a, a kind of war on that scale before. But if you look at like why, why was Europe so peaceful, like during the Cold War, for example, was partly if not wholly to do with the fact that America was there holding a big stick. Like, I think, I think we had a fairly unique situation over the last sort of 75 years. And mm. my, 
I'm not the only person to say this, but I think the, the sense that once you, there are some lessons that it seems we have to learn over again, viscerally, and once the generation of people who created those systems, who created, who, who went through that experience are gone, I feel like there's a, we have to learn those again. That we will forget. Oh, that's interesting. Like some, some knowledge is kind of generational and you can't actually See, I would say, I would say, you know, I had an interesting experience uh, maybe a couple of years ago now, but I was out on the Somerset levels where I, oh, I'm going out of focus. Hello. Um, where I was, I was out on the Somerset levels um, where I walk and I met a gentleman. He was very elderly and um, I stopped and talked to him and he shared with me how terrible the world was and it was all going to pot and it was awful. And I thanked him for being the generation which allowed me to live such a fantastic life and that he ah. should be really proud. And he went, oh, oh no, I've never thought of it like that. And it was very interesting that he had lived through that. He had, he'd been there. Mm. And yet he, and, and, and it's this propensity to negativity, which I see in the way with you. Now, obviously there's a reason for that, but there is a, but I feel it in myself and I see it in the cult and in the media, the thing that you're very much involved with. Mm. There's a kind of a, you know, we click what's negative and we know that psychologically we're programmed to do that for very good reasons. And that somehow we have to counter that so that we can have the confidence in ourselves that at least we can go for the flowering instead of the convulsion. That we mm. can go, look, we've come this far. I mean, I live in a world historically unprecedented between men and women around sexuality, around poverty, around starvation, around national wars, or not civil wars, not so much they're still happening, but national, these are, these are unprecedented achievements, which we've, and there's a general kindness, which is astonishing, I think. And that, so I just wonder whether there's a kind of a way in which we need to keep emphasize, we need to also emphasize or re-emphasize the achievements and to have a sense of how, how, how no one would want to live in history. And that romanticization, which goes, we need to get back or we've lost something. Well, like you said, I mean, I think when I think about the 60s, I think, Jesus Christ, the, the U.S. Army went into a university and shot students. I mean, like you could, that would be absolutely unthinkable now. Mm. So that's a hell of a distance. So, so, so maybe, maybe we can. We can find a way of making the, of the work of sense making, you know, that, you, you, that you're involved in, which can actually allow us to bring that faith in ourselves, in humanity, mm. because there's a real down. I mean, I, I meet a lot of people who think humanity is some sort of plague on the earth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I totally agree, which also speaks to the difficulty of sense making, because it's very easy, like what, what you're sketching out, and I think hopefully what I'm sketching out as well is a very complex picture where there are certain things about the situation now. And if I was to list those, I could paint a very dark picture. I could say, look, and um, again, a few of the people on our channel have done this and said, look, we're at a place where exponential tech means that everyone will within a very short space of time, non-state actors will be able to get hold of all of these kind of things that used to be limited to states like nuclear proliferation, biological warfare, all these things. And you can look at the, the situation with the environment and all of these things are 
are are true while at the same time we are in a, a a better world like none of us i think would exchange living in the 19th century for living now and the potential is so huge so it but it's very it's very tempting to coalesce around a certain narrative whether that's doom or whether that's positivity and and then not be able to see the the 360 degree picture I, I have to tell you, David, that is what I love about the stuff you do. I really love it, is exactly that. I, I call it for my own purposes. I call it paralogical thinking, both and thinking. Be able to see that and that and how they fit together, how they form a, a synthesis. I really see that in what you do. And I just, I just love it because that's it. Exactly. All those things are completely true and we ignore them at our peril. And then all this other stuff is also true. And there's a kind of bringing them together, which goes if after forever, thousands of years, we've, transcend, we've transformed, say, the way that the role of women in society, if we've actually done that or moved a long distance towards that, that's, if we can do that, then maybe we could do this. And that kind of, because these things needed to, and then maybe the tech could be a boon rather than a curse or, you know, whatever. So, so the thing I want to ask you in the middle of all of that, having, having said how much I love it, is, you really strike me as somebody who's doing what they're doing, not because, well, as, a, as the heroic journey, not as mm. a career path per se. And I, I wanted you to say what it, I was interested in what it is that is moving you, what it is that, that you're doing that mm. makes you throw what I'm sure is the most extraordinary amount of effort into. Um, I feel... That, that there's kind of a, I'll try this out as a, as a concept. It's something that I've kind of been playing with for a while. And I'm sure there are others who've talked about this before, but it kind of, um, if we're in this environment, we, we sort of talk about awakening and this sort of sense of the, I mean, lots of religious traditions have this, this kind of sense of awakening to your true nature, the face before you were born and the consciousness that you can tap into there to me there feels like there's a kind of western version of that that i've not heard many speak people speak to where not only do you wake up to your kind of true nature in a kind of buddhist sense but you also and this kind of maybe links into synchronicity and jung's kind of realizations you wake up to somehow you've also had exactly the right experiences in your life to prepare you for what you need to do next and to even things that at the time didn't make a lot of sense like you've actually picked up all of these different skills and you have you can have this sort of um yeah a sort of deeper awakening experience that that for me is more awe-inspiring because it kind of shows an even deeper intelligence in the universe that somehow it was still playing out even in these kind of weird decisions that you might have made kind of 20 10 20 years ago and i certainly feel like i'm in the right place at the right time with the skills like i feel like i have a really the right set of skills to do what I feel is, is my task or mission to do, which is, I, I think we're in the process of needing to spark a cultural, um, to catalyze a cultural movement about the re-enchantment of the world in this mm. sort of post-materialist, post-rationalist space. We're seeing the re-entry of religion in a lot of ways 
some lots of unhealthy ways. But we had this sort of sense of, um, and I, I think that's going to continue. I think we're in a sort of post-secular world. And I feel like my role is to make sense of that post-secular world and to, to, to act as a bridge to the mainstream within that. Like I know where the mainstream conversation is. I've worked for Channel 4 News and the BBC and I'm obviously a, a little bit outside the kind of Overton window of what is talked about in the mainstream, but I want to move that, the Overton window in that direction, make it acceptable to talk about spirituality, demystify it in a way that makes sense to the mainstream. And you say it's been a, a lot of effort. Like I have done an awful lot of hours and days on this, but I've, I've, I've found it certainly up until now not to be much of an effort. It's actually felt like I've been really in flow with, with it so far. Like I've, I've rarely felt as aligned and um, it doesn't feel like I'm pushing it. It feels like I'm being pulled by something. Fantastic. That is so resonant with what I do every day. <laughs> and that, that re-enchanting of the world that, and that playing out of the, 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 I make words up when I can't find words that I like to use. So I called it narrativity, that ability for narrative, narrative as a force of nature, not mm. as a, not, uh, not just as something, not that we just tell stories about life, mm. but that life has become a story. Yes. And, and, I, 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 and I mean that literally. I mean, literally, the get, hydrogen has evolved into a story. And that story is what we're now playing out and living in, and which I see it looks like moving you. Yeah, and I wanted to sort of complete that thought in a way. Like there are a lot of people who've been working with these ideas much deeper into the philosophy than I am, uh, much, much more sort of academically minded. Um, I think my, my skill is in, is in hopefully being something of a of an airlock for those ideas to connect with the mainstream mm. and as a, as a kind of interpreter, or at least there's someone who, I can't remember who mentioned it, but they said that maybe one of the skills that's required now is a kind of MP3 um, algorithm. So mm. an MP3 is like, you, you take a, a much bigger mm. file and you render it, as, it as precisely as you can, but in a much smaller way. Yeah. And I think some people like, Yuval Noah Harari, um, I think Sam Harris, people like that, they're very good at, uh, Jordan Peterson as well, they're very good at breaking ideas down. Um, and they are academics, they're much deeper than, but I think my, my ability is, is really to try and take the, the essence of certain deeper ideas and, and explain them in a way that, that can kind of, that, that is, um, faithful to them but it but it is in a way that can connect with the mainstream conversation that's what i'm hoping at least i think that's fantastic i i i, I and it's doubly poignant for me because i think i'm somebody who would really aspire to that but i've lived the whole of my life on the outside you know from mm. a very early age i looked at the world and just went well this place is crazy mm. and i can't buy into this story and went off and explored deeper things what i thought were deeper things and deeper experiences and i've spent the whole of my 60 years doing that so that when i look at society 
I don't feel that sort of connection that you've had. You know, I've never had a proper job. I've never, you know, been in an office. I've never, I've always been on the outside doing crazy stuff, which has been wonderful and has allowed me to live, but God, so grateful for my life and to end up here being able to develop ideas which really enchant me um, and share them with other people is, is a matter of privilege. But I'm really aware that although I aspire to, right, how can we bring this into the mainstream? And my work now with science is very much about trying to make that bridge. Mm. Um, I'm on the outside of both science and, and, and mainstream culture. And if there's people like yourself who understand that, like you said, an airlock, something which can take it through, then maybe, you know, that's a great, that's a great gift to have. Mm. That really is. Cool. Look, thank you for chatting with me. I've really enjoyed being able to hear you behind all of the, um, you know, normally when I listen to you speaking with other people, you'll bring out everyone else's ideas, um, although you do share your own, of course. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it feels, I, don't, I want to just come back to end with, I just want to come back to that thing you're saying about this is a particular time. And I, I completely agree with that. I think every time is a particular time in that, and that everything is building on what's been before mm. and is in that sense more emergent. And that there are moments, if we look at the whole 14 billion years that we seem to think this process has been going on, there is always key moments. You never know quite when, when mm. the new dust comes, the novelty just becomes more than just, it's another day. It becomes, wow, this is another day like any other day. And, and those times happen. Um, and so it feels like what we're all people who are attuned to that are trying to, um, I want to share one last idea with you and just get your reaction. So the cent a central concept for me, and I ended up naming the philosophy I've been developing after the idea is the idea of the individual, because I was mm -hmm. looking again for a word to capture because my sense is that, you know, I, I've written huge numbers of books on spiritual traditions basically the early ones going through and going hang on this is people all over the world at all different times in history going and then you realize it's all one and that generates this incredible compassion or love or benevolence which changes everything and that's been my experience that's been the thing which has dominated my life is that oh my god it's such a transformation and that the the the, the experience the, the the visceral nature of it the total nature of it on every level and my sense is that that's, what's, that's the transformation underlying all of this, that, that mm. we're moving from individuals to individuals. And so the key idea for me in there is that the movement, unlike many of the older spiritual traditions, which seem to think, and I understand why they did this in the past, that you would experience that oneness by suppressing, negating, avoiding the individual, transcending the world, leaving it all behind, getting off the wheel, all of that stuff, that actually it's the other way around, that it comes through the individual and that's the evolutionary vision, is that the individual has, has evolved and now can evolve to the point where you go, I'm the whole thing. I'm in relationship with myself in some profound way because I'm the universe, what the hell else could I be? And that generates that incredible benevolence, a kind of a universal, no holes barred benevolence. Um, and when I look at the good things that have happened, just returning to that theme, with all the bad things, of course, acknowledged, I see this growth of compassion, which is unprecedented. So mm -hmm. that 
we live in a world now where people do care about, you know, when the, when the Iraq war went down, people came out on the streets for people they're never going to meet any other time in history. You, they were your enemy or they were, who cares? Or, you know, but not now. And you know, the relationship with the environment, with animals and animals that would just tear you to shreds. We want to, we care about them. This is unprecedented. And then behind it, especially over the last 20 years where I've been going out talking about oneness and leading experiential events. 20 years ago, no one knew what I was talking about. Everyone thought it was abstract. Like, yeah, it's not really to do with real life, is it? Now, most people know what it means, often have had the experience of some, some way or want to get it back. So I just wondered how that fitted in with your vision for what you're doing and of, of world, or if it did at all, that there's this mm. movement towards this, that spirituality is absolutely actually central to this mm. because it's the thing which is carrying this message of, hey, look, you're an individual expression of one thing. And if you actually get that, everything changes. Mm. I, yeah, I feel, I feel that that's true. That's that's de that's certainly true. I I'm also slightly, I'm slightly dubious of the non-dual perspective as well because I think it's incomplete. I think it's. it's I, I don't think I'm saying the non-dual perspective. Just so you know, right. uh, David. I mean, I mean, I'm not. I, I am absolutely pro duality. Mm. You know, I, I, all I'm saying is that, the, in fact, the whole thing I'm saying is that the individual is what's awakes to oneness, and that when that happens, the individual engages with the evolutionary process from a whole new perspective. Mm. Not. No, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I agree with you totally. I just thought I should just sort of turn that around because I'm not saying that. I'm 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 a complete non-dual heretic. I'm you know I've been been that for twenty years or more. Mm. So so I'm not I'm not. It's not like the the. I'm not suggesting. Look, it's just all one. I'm mm. not for a moment. I'm suggesting it's, it's the one. In yeah, the there's oneness and there's a there's a kind of visceral experience of that that. I I, I guess I agree, but I also feel like that the place we get to is through full individuation. And I think yes. a, a, that realization can be used as a bypass sometimes, um, which, is, which is maybe what I was referring to with the non-dual and maybe that's the wrong language. But for me, the whole spiritual community is, is, talks about that oneness. And then a lot of people within that will then act in a way that shows that there's a lot of kind of selfishness there's a lot of egotism and i think it gives i think a lot of people who are attracted to that message then come to communities where people behave in ways that shows that they haven't internalized that at all and i think holding that um th there's a complexity of recognizing that that's a truth but also that we're all individually wounded it's very difficult to operate from that place and there's a lot of people especially in the spiritual communities that believe that they're um, operating from this place of oneness, but actually there's this this sub subterranean um, something else. It, it, to me, it's like I completely agree. It's why you know, having been been had the fortune and misfortune to be around a spirituality all my life, you know, that I, I find it a really difficult place to live. I hate it really, <laughs> but mm. 
Yeah, because what you're saying, it seems to me, is predicated on the idea. The, the thing I see is that if you go, the ego, the separate self is the enemy, mm. then, then you're going to suppress it. And if you suppress it, you'll suppress the shadow and all the rest of it, and none of that will exist, and you've and you got bypassing. But if you actually turn that around, mm. and you're going, no, no, it's completely the other way around, only by individuating can we become conscious enough to recognize in a more sustained way yes. that mystical vision, then actually you're returning to the evolutionary process, which is completely messy, which is all about um, the messy on every level individually collectively the whole thing mm. so that the 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 reason that i coined the term in my own thinking was to av avoid that idea that the individual was missed out that it includes the, in fact the individual becomes the foundation so it's, it ceases to be the impediment that's in the way of this but starts to become the foundation and the the more um healthy or stable the foundation the more individuated in Jung's sense of the term just to come back to uncle Carl to end off with um, yeah. then the more sustained and that's certainly my experience I don't know about if is, is it yours is that the more that Tim is able to work with himself and be be you know find out who he is and deal with all the complexities of my past and, and all the weird things that are in me and God knows there's a lot the more I've been able to enter into states which when I was younger would they just come and then they mm. go, and I'd be bereft and low, like you said, like, oh, it's gone, it's gone. And over the years, that's not the same anymore. It mm. changed. I'm still not enlightened. I don't even know what that means. I have no mm. um, aspiration to that anymore. Mm. But it has become more, I've, I'm more solid because I've integrated a little bit more of who I am. So those, the, the, that, that to avoid that whole bypassing thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe that there... That's, I, I think that's the central paradox is that only through full individuation can you enter into genuine community or genuine connection with others yes. or contact. Yes. And that, and that I think people miss on, on both sides of that, of that equation. I definitely think that's true. But I don't think, and I also don't think the, pro the, the process is ever over. No. Because there's a, that completely that, and that's part of, yeah, that's part of the, delusion of sort of and Ken Wilber talked about this a lot like boomeritis the idea of a lot of what people think of as spirituality like this is my truth this is um is actually an ego trip masquerading as spirituality like and and like true true growth happens when we yeah when, when we actually kind of enter into genuine relationship with others and we do the horizontal work as well as the vertical work very good. I completely agree with all of that. And uh, didn't Ken do well to be so so ahead of the game of to yeah. uh, to see all that. Good. All right. Thank you so much. You're looking resplendent there with all of your symbols coming from your head, and uh, you, you looks like some modern alchemist. Yeah, I don't know if that's the look we're going for, but it kind of works. Well, well, it's been great for this. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Always a pleasure to catch up. Good. All right, David, take care of yourself and thank you again. All right. See you soon.